we're focusing on our community partners. And uh, 2016, we wondered and prayed how we could partner with our community, Stonebridge, and with the school. We thought maybe we'd start a preschool at some time, didn't want to compete if our school in the neighborhood had a preschool. So we found out in 2016 in November that they were not having a preschool. The building was filled to capacity with kids. There were 2,000 kids under the age of 14 in Stonebridge. And so we went to work and launched our preschool in, in September of 2017. At the same time, we've been partnering with the school. And uh, Harold Robertson is the principal there, just a great guy, uh, great to partner with him. He was hoping to be here today, but he's out of town and uh, would have liked to, uh, for you to meet him. But we have someone even better, our own Miranda Fong. She's coming. She's on the parent council at the school and vice chair of the community association in Stonebridge. Welcome here. Thank you. And uh, just tell us a little bit about what that partnership uh, looks like. Sure. Well, um, like you said, the school opened in the fall of last year, 2017. And now, um, a year later, there are close to 700 kids at Chief Whitecap School. So there's a lot of kids there, a lot of families there. And so at the beginning of last year, we hosted a big kickoff school, welcome back barbecue, and volunteers and staff from Circle came to cook hot dogs and burgers and serve the families there. Then again, at the beginning of this year, we had a meet the teacher night, welcome back to the school, and some of the staff here came and helped hand out pizza and welcome families and just connect with uh, the community there. And I have to tell you, the parent council and the school community council are just so impressed that this building and this church are willing to send people to help take the load off the volunteers there, because there are a lot of kids and a lot of families there. I would be impressed, too, because this is a great church. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm not surprised, but when I tell them at the meetings, they're always like, wow, they would really come? Yeah. But now, there's a big opportunity coming up. Just tell us a yes. little bit about that. So last year, um, the school planned a Christmas concert for just kindergarten to grade two. And I want you to picture this. The gr kindergartens last year, which is the grade ones this year, there are 105 just in grade one this year. So 105 kids just in kindergarten last year. So the program was K1 and 2. So we expected, okay, like maybe a couple hundred parents would come. We held it at the school. Over 600 adults came to watch just those three grades sing. And as much as the concert was great, like nobody could see, nobody could hear, it was hot, it was chaotic, everyone could feel it. So as soon as that ended, I know Harold contacted Sherry and the office here, and by the new year last year, they had already planned to have their Christmas concert here this year. So on December 13th, um, Circle is going to host the Chief Whitecap School Christmas concert. They are impressed with this facility, so they've increased the concert to include kindergarten to grade four. Now picture that. That's over 400 to 500 kids singing. Four to 500 kids. So if they each brought two or three adults, which likely they'll bring more. I know my son will have me and my husband and both sets of grandparents. So there's likely going to be 1,600 plus families watching, 
plus 400 kids, plus all the staff, that's like over 2,000 people from just this community filling our auditorium here. That's like, what a way huge. to impact. That's yeah, huge. huge. So how can we help? Yeah, so like I said, that's thousands of people <laughs> going to be entering this building. Um, we need everything from parking attendants to greeters to welcome this, because it's all just Stonebridge community, to welcome this community into this great building. We need ushers to help find seats. We need um, people in the back helping supervise <laughs> 400 plus kids as we get them on stage and stuff. So there are lots of opportunities and such a great way to yeah. impact. It like, really is. It, the, yeah. the relationships that are being built are uh, awesome. amazing. Yeah. So in the program this morning is this brochure called Serving at Circle This Christmas. It highlights some of the ways in which we can partner. The week before this Christmas concert is our Jingle Jam Party and we need, again, parking lot attendants and ushers and so on. So if you can help, this is a great way to interface with our community. They come right here, and we can be the friendly face and the kind heart to help them along. Right? And a lot of these kids have gone to Kids Capers and yes. will come to Jingle Jam. And I know that like when some of the staff was serving at the pizza night, kids were going up and remembering and recognizing them from camp this summer. So there's going to be a lot of familiar faces. So if you've worked Kids Capers, this might be a good opportunity to come reconnect with some kids too. Good. Thank you, Miranda. Awesome. Appreciate your work there with the Community Association. Let's say thank you to Miranda. <laughs> Welcome to those who are listening online. And uh, your notes, your sermon, your message notes are in your program. You can also access them on your Version Bible app. Just collect, uh, click on More, click on Events, click on Circle Drive, and... Your notes will come up. You can scroll down on that uh, on your notes, and you'll find the Parent Q app. This is for parents, grandparents, uncles, and aunts to keep the conversation that is in Kids Zone uh, alive all week long. So please make use of that. Uh, during this sequence of talks, we've been uh, considering the fact that most of us are richer than we think. Scotia Bank is correct that we are a wealthy nation. We are in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. And most of us have first world problems, like bad cell coverage, or uh, why slow Wi-Fi, or the SaskTel repairman was late. Gas prices are high, which means we have a car. And uh, if any of your problems begin with my airline tickets or my hotel reservations, uh, you know you have first world problems and you are rich. And so Paul has been, the Apostle Paul, that we've been looking at some of his advice, that he tells us how to be good at being rich. And so that's the advice that we've been looking at. And by way of review, we have said this. Wealth has its side effects. There's a migration of hope that occurs when we begin to focus on our wealth instead of other things. And we have a disease in our culture called affluenza. And it, it uh, you know, there's bouts of arrogance and dislocated hope. And what we have been saying is that Jesus followers are to trust God 
But when you start getting stuff, we begin to trust our wealth. So we said, together we said, I will not place my trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. So we talked about how to keep our trust in the right place. We talked about the key to feeling wealthy, which is margin. If we have margin in our time and margin in our finances, we start to feel joy and peace. And last day we said we obtain margin by setting percentages, percentages of how, we, uh, how much we live on it with our finances, percentage of what we save for the future or for emergencies, and then a percentage of how much we uh, are generous with, how much we give. And we said that some of you are struggling in this area. You're burdened by debt. You don't know how to handle your money. And so we're not just giving you information. We're saying we have a money course and we'll actually help you. And you can register for that. And it'll be a 10-week course in January every Monday night and uh, for 10 weeks, so it'll go into March. But it'll be the best 10 weeks of your life because you'll start to get margin. You'll reduce your debt, you'll increase your savings, and you'll do what you want to do in your heart, and that is to be generous. Well, today, we come to the end of the passage where Paul gives us advice on how to live as a wealthy person. And we bump into the idea that Christians are more generous than non-Christians because it's in our faith system. It's in our faith system. It is not that we are just aware of the needs around us in the world. Everybody is. Rather, we love to meet the needs. And it goes deeper than that. And Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, command, which means instruct, Instruct those who are rich in this present world. And so Paul touches on the idea that there's more to life than the present world. There's a future world and believes that there's something beyond this life. Now, the majority of Canadians, Christian or otherwise, believe that there is something beyond this life. So this is not new. Not only is this true, he says about, he's about to say, relates specifically to something beyond our current context. He says not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, which is why we spent some time talking about the dangers of placing our hope in wealth. There can be a migration of trust from, uh, to our money instead of placing our trust in God. And then he kind of closes that sentence which, with this, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God wants your enjoyment. He's not a killjoy. Then in verse 18 he says, again, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, which is why we're talking about all of these volunteer uh, opportunities City Center and Jingle Jam and the school and Christmas Eve, all of these uh, all volunteer opportunities because we want to be rich in good deeds and be generous 
and willing to share. So in this way, in what way? In this way, by doing good and being rich in good do deeds, you're willing to be generous and share our wealth. He says, you are laying up treasure in heaven. Or treasure for themselves, to which we might say, this doesn't make sense. Uh, we stay wealthy by keeping our money, not by giving it away. But Paul returns to this other world theme, and he says, we lay up treasure for ourselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. And again, he reminds us that life is simply a test, an indicator as to how we use the opportunities that God gives us. And what we do with our wealth impacts not only where we go, rather it doesn't impact where we go when we die, but what it will be like when we get there. There's a correlation, Paul says. So how we use our wealth impacts our standing in life and the age to come. And then he says, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So he's reminding us that if we view our wealth through the lens of eternity, you will lose its, it will lose its grip on us and we will be more free. You will open your hands because there is more at stake than you can ever imagine. So uh, Paul gets this idea from Jesus. So one day, Jesus was with his disciples, and an argument broke out in the crowd. Somebody was accusing another person of being greedy. So Jesus tells a story, as he often does, about what Paul is talking about in this this passage we just went through. And Jesus' story is always about God, and then there's somebody in this story that is potentially in the audience, and in our case, probably in this audience today. So in Luke chapter 12, verse 16, he said, the ground of a certain man, rich man yielded an abundant harvest. So the rich guy had extra. Normally, his crop produced enough for him to feed his family, but, but now this is a bumper crop. He's, he's happy. He's got extra. Verse 17, he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crop. And the people in the audience are like us. You know, you hear about somebody who, who got an investment and then it went public and, oh man, they're just filthy rich. And we're envious. Oh, why didn't I invest in Bitcoin, you know? And we're, we're envious of this person. Suddenly, this farmer has more than he knows what to do with. And so the rich farmer had a, a solution to this. He, in verse 18, he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns. I'll, big, I'll build bigger ones. And I'll store my surplus my surplus grain. And the rich farmer makes an assumption. And the assumption is, I'll save it now and I'll consume it later. And after all, if it came to me, it is for me. This is mine. So I'll save and I'll hoard and I'll store it. And then Jesus puts words in this 
rich farmer's mouth. He says, I say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Now, if the story would stop here, we'd say to ourselves, this is a story about a smart guy. This is a parable about saving for the future and preparing for retirement. And if you read through uh, Scripture, Old Testament and New, it clearly teaches about saving for the future. So the people listening to the story feel this farmer's a smart farmer, as most farmers are. In fact, in that culture, if you were rich, it was because you were blessed by God. Conversely, if you were unhealthy, it was because you did something wrong and God was punishing you. So here, this, this wealth was a reward from God. So the next line took the people by surprise. In verse 20, he says, but God said to him, you fool. And everybody in the audience went, huh? what? What are you doing to this story? What do you mean you're, he's a fool? He got wealthier, found a way to save it. He would never be in need. Well, back to the made-up story. Jesus says, this very night your life will be demanded from you, to which we think, whoa, wait a minute. He's got all this money stored up. He can't be out of life. But yeah, he was out of time, but he wasn't out of money. And in the story, God says, you fool. You have lived under the assumption that it is all for your consumption, and now I'm taking your life. And now the opportunities are gone. And then listen to Jesus' next question. He says, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And the answer is somebody else. Not because he's generous, but because he's dead. Now, this is a really important insight. Jesus was so clear about this. And for some of you, this is why you're here today. As you read the Gospels, there is something that is clear. And I want you to read it. We do not get credit for what we leave. We get credit for what we give. We don't get credit for what we leave. We get credit for what we give. And the wealthy man died and he left everything behind. And we only get credit for what we give. And here's why. Everybody leaves the same amount. Do you know that? Everybody leaves the same amount. You know what that is? It's all. Everything. We all leave the same. So we don't get credit for what we leave. Jesus says you get credit for what you give. And now Jesus pulls out of the story, and the audience is disturbed because Jesus is messing with their paradigms of wealth and who God is and who God blesses. And Jesus speaks to the audience, and he says, this is how it will be. Total loss. The man lost everything because he died. And he's lost the opportunities to do something with what he had before he died. Time ran out. And he lost the opportunity to do something important. And then Jesus says, 
This is how it will be with whoever stores up for things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Towards God. So our natural inclination, if, if you're human, your natural in, inclination is to save your way to safety. We want to protect our kids and our grandkids and we want to build walls around ourselves financially so we hoard and we save our way to safety. And Jesus says, if we do that, we set ourselves up for complete loss because there's this other side, this other world. And the assumption is that everything that is placed in your hand is for your consumption. Yay, Black Friday. But this person was not rich toward God. And if you're not a Christian, this is a new and important thought. Christianity brought the idea that you can be rich towards God. Every system of religion, if you want it to be rich towards Zeus or Jupiter or Athena, you would go into their temples and you would make a sacrifice an animal or something of value, and you would leave it with the priest, and you were bribing God to do you a favor. And Jesus turns the whole thing around, and he says through the New Testament, all through the New Testament, you can read all about it. The primary teaching of Jesus is this. If you want to be rich toward God, then you must be generous toward the people that God created. That's how you become rich towards God. If you want to be rich towards God, if you want to move toward God, if you want to impress God, if you want to show love towards God, you don't do anything in God's direction. You do something for the people, the people that were made in God's image. He says, if you want to impress me, do something for my children. That was a brand new idea that Jesus introduced into the New Testament. That if you are generous towards other people, you are generous towards God. And if you hoard and are stingy towards people, you are stingy towards God. Totally different concept. Now, Jesus further clarifies the thought. In, in verse 33, he says, sell your possessions. Now, Jesus didn't mean sell everything. But there's probably boxes in your basement that you packed at your last move and you've never opened the box. Sell it, he says. Sell it. You have extra. And give it to the poor. And provide purses for yourself that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven, he says, that will never fail. And this thought made people nervous. They don't want to give to get anything from God. But Jesus said you could actually store treasure in heaven by giving. And when we view wealth from God's perspective, it begins to lose its grip on us. And Jesus finishes the thought. He says, where no thief comes and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, 
That's where your heart is. That's where your heart is. And Jesus was teaching that the number one contender for your, for your heart is your treasure, your wealth. And Jesus knows how to get your heart moving in his direction. And he says, liquidate and give it away. And if you do, great, he says, will be your reward in heaven. And we will learn how to be rich towards God. And the Apostle Paul said it this way in verse 19 of Timothy 6. In this way, they lay up treasure in, for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that truly is life. So let me, let me just finish off this morning in this way. I hope you get ridiculously rich. I really do. I, I, one of my prayers for you is, God, I know you own the cattle on a thousand hills. Would you give some of those hills to our people? Really, I pray that you become wealthy. But I also pray that you'll be good at being wealthy. Most of us are richer than most people in the world. I want us to be great at being wealthy. And the way that Canadians do it is not a pathway to generosity. More wealth increases the tendency to trust in our wealth. And the only way to keep that from happening is to be rich towards God. So this is why we've been focusing on impact YXE or Impact Saskatoon. Is we want to be rich towards the partners that we have as a church. We said that Christianity spread to the whole world not because they had a superior message. We didn't even have a holy book for 288 years until the Bible was compiled. What made Christianity so attractive was the generosity of believers. They, they shared what little they had with other people. And those outside said, I want to be with them. I want their heart. I want their perspective. I want their God. And so that's why we've asked you to be generous with your time. And in your program this morning, you see serving at Circle this Christmas. And you see how you can bless City Center by serving there. Would you please give a percentage of your time this season and be generous to those who are part of our community? Now, the second way is to be generous with your money. And you've heard of spontaneous buying. This morning, I'm going to ask that we are spontaneous with our giving. And the volunteers are coming to give you a, a piece of paper that will instruct you on in how to do it. And everything we collect now will be given to our partners this week. And while they're coming, I want you to view uh, what our partners are saying their needs are. Would you watch this, please? WPB8 is a very unique, diverse school. I would say it's probably one of the most diverse schools 
um, in Saskatoon. So kind of our, um, our academic goals for all of our students here at WPA is for them to be reading, writing, and doing math at, at grade level. We definitely could use, use more, more uh, human resources just sitting alongside students, listening to them read, working on their math facts. Our budgets definitely uh, have been reduced uh, this year and the previous year. Unfortunately, we can't have computers and we can't have iPads in every single classroom because we can't afford it. <laughs> We try to look at the barriers to learning. The barriers could be food. We have other partnerships, um, like I said, that help us with clothing. Uh, Circle Drive helped us gather socks through um, the summer camp students, which is a wonderful thing. And it's amazing how a pair of socks can eliminate a lot of problems for kids, young and old. I think in all of our programs, that's our intention. Our intention is to get the best learning possible and for this child to be the best they possibly can be. Uh, we are a long-term care home. Uh, we have 53 residents, uh, roughly about 118 staff. People think that uh, because we're part of the health region that you know we have lots of money. We have $636 more this year than we did last year. And it's been that way for about four years now. We need volunteers for feeding residents, just one-on-one -on -one resident care. We could definitely use twice as much as what we have. Having a volunteer come in and sit with them, sing with them during the church service, or just talking about their lives, is that's such a big thing for them. And it's a big thing for us, too. What we need mostly is volunteers and finances. This is a neighborhood in some need, and a lot of young people here are not, don't have food to eat on a regular basis. And so we have tried to fill that gap by being involved in this neighborhood. The volunteers, we could create more programs and have more kids come more uh, consistently. To do this stuff, you need money, and uh, money is is uh, one of the needs that we have. Well, we should probably stock up our freezer. <laughs> we got a new freezer, so we stock it up with some with some goods. You have to give them something to eat in most cases because they are hungry. Maybe they only get one meal or two meals a week. They need a safe place to be, and they consider this as a safe place. We have uh, between 30 and 40 kids that come out here. We see the hope and potential in every young person, and we're kind of proud of, of all the things that we do. We have, the, we have other programs, but the biggest purpose is to get these people led to a life with Christ. We're a mentoring organization, and we match adults with children. Um, in a really uh, structured, sort of formal way. We have um, over 600 matches at any given time. We provide life-changing mentorship um, relationships for kids. You know, the obvious answer for a nonprofit is finances. Um, that's the biggest thing that limits us. Although we need financial support, we also need people power. We need volunteers. We need people to engage in our organization. Um, we have a wait list of kids, um, you know, it's 150 to 200 kids at a time, and we need people to volunteer. The more volunteers we have, the more kids we can impact, right? Um, we know that mentoring, you know, every dollar invested in mentoring, $23 comes back to society. I'm constantly turning people down, saying we don't have enough volunteers. Um, so we know that just by having more volunteers, and then the resources to support those volunteers, uh, we know we can make a much bigger impact. Whether you donate, $5 or $5,000, the impact is there. Um, there's kids in our community who are in need, um, and any, any little amount helps.
our, our whole vision and values is, is, is making kids' lives better. It's all about giving kids the tools that they need um, to become contributing citizens. Because we always look at and we talk about um, hope, right? And, and hope is so important for young people. Because we, we can do everything in the world for them, but if we don't instill hope in these people, they go right back to where they were. So we try to get kids employment, education. Every child deserves the opportunity to become a contributing citizen. A lot of what, what uh, limits, limits us in the ability to what we're doing is uh, our ability to raise funds. We get money to hire a staff to do the cooking, but we get no money for food. So we have to search out and um, look for donations for food. We feed probably close to 40 kids a night. Um, if we could, you know, buy fresh vegetables and meat um, and, and, you know, for, for meals every day. So our cook wouldn't have to worry about what do I cook tonight. We go through probably um, seven loaves of bread a night. Our moms with babies, there's so many things that they need. Like we, you know, we don't get funding for um, diapers and formula for our, our homes. Probably deal over 100 just in our outreach. Between 40 and 60 kids come into EGADS every night. I think about 105 moms and babies and, and youth living in our homes. It's in the hundreds per day. We serve clients who are vulnerable in a variety of ways. They are coming from lots of different kinds of experiences, some of them being traumatic, and they find themselves here with literally nothing, sometimes a backpack, sometimes, sometimes less than that. And so we're constantly in need of items like um, men's and women's underwear, socks, of course when it gets to be winter, mitts and hats, boots and coats are always uh, a necessity. What I've been learning is that our clients really have a, a poverty not only materially but also poverty in relationships. So everything from uh, connecting with our clients on a one-time basis, on a regular basis, is extremely beneficial. In 2017, we served about 75,000 meals in our dining hall. $10 a month would provide 100 meals at our community kitchen. We're constantly in need of supplies to help feed anywhere from 100 to 150 people every Monday and Friday evening. We truly want this facility to be a lighthouse not only internally to the clients we serve, but externally to the community around us. So we're a faith community um, committed to reaching out into the community and bringing, you know, God-inspired, God-anointed transformation in, in people's lives. I would say that the greatest limiting factor that we have is people resources. Actually having people that are willing to come build relationships with people we're trying to reach in the community. As we connect with them, whether it's in church or whether it's through one of our programs that we run, an addiction recovery program, or you know, parents have kids in our school or daycare, is just having strong you know, uh, individuals, families that are willing to sort of hook on and connect and, and invest into their lives relationally. You know, we're, we're reaching hundreds of people with, you know, maybe 20 committed people. That's the reality. The need is huge. You know, we're talking to thousands of people down here in the inner city who really need 
someone to believe in them enough that they can step out of, you know, the, the, the place that they're stuck in. And so more people, more people on the streets will touch. And I want to say thank you to the kids who provided socks for W.P. Bates. I want to say thank you to the women who had a very successful paint night the other night, to the mom circle who collected baby goods for e-dads, uh, for the youth that are collecting toques and mitts and scarves and coats for those in the youth center. Many of you are providing physical things. Many of you will uh, volunteer to help these agencies during this Christmas season. I'm suggesting today that we give $39.95. Everybody give $39.95 or multiples of that, and I'll tell you why. Watch this. This will be all the talk at your next party. If you're looking for the latest trend, you will want to move on this incredible deal right now. I have to warn you, they are going fast. So pick up your phone, Call the number on your screen. But if you order right now, we'll pay the shipping. What a great deal. Only $39.95, free shipping, and a fabulous focus for your decor. Hello, yes, hi. Yes, I'm calling about that. Yes, I'd like to order one. I think, I think it'll be great too. I can hardly wait. so good I gotta order more for my family okay I'm not the only one that has done this right you've, you've got a doctor hall massage in your in your house because you were watching late night TV listen Sometimes we make purchases we regret and we miss the money, but we never regret giving to people in need. So right now we're going to take a special offering and you can give $39.95 or you can give for your whole family multiples of $39.95. And the brochure we handed out just now is the way in which you can give right now in the service you can give cash or check or provide credit card information and we will process that credit card tomorrow and just mark impact YXE the ushers will collect it in a few moments or you can give by debit credit or check after the service at the information desk or credit cards at at entrances B C and D there will be somebody there to give a to collect credit card donations, or you can go online to Realm right now and make a contribution online. Uh, or you can go home at the end of the service and you can go online banking, giving at CDAC, and you can make a donation. And here's what will happen. We're going to count this money tomorrow, and we're going to take it to our partners this week. 
And next Sunday, we're going to show you their reaction as they receive the money that we're giving right now. And we're going to see that we're going to make a difference in our community. For years, many government agencies and many agencies in the community did not like the church. And we decided as leadership that we were going to be generous to people outside of our church and regain their trust and tell them by our physical donations and volunteering of time and money that they are doing a good job and we are partnering with them to reach people. So I'm going to ask the volunteers to come forward at this time and receive this morning offering and then next Sunday come back for a great celebration of what we have done today together as a church family. We'll just take a moment of silence as you prepare for this morning offering. God, thank you for the wealth that you've entrusted to us. And we know it's not only for ourselves, it is for others. And this morning, we want to invest in heaven. And we want to have treasure in heaven. And so we're giving to you so that we can give to others. Take these dollars and use them in Jesus' name. We pray that in the coming days and years, we would hear stories of transformation because we invested in the people that you've created. And I pray that our partners would be able to, in some way, be generous to their, the people that they reach. And their compassion and their love and their generosity would be sensed and felt and may it be supernatural. May they sense a presence of Christ because of what we're doing now. And so we give to you this morning with great joy and great expectation. In Jesus' name, amen.